Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. I'm going to throw it over to our special guest today. In a few sentences, can you tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Hello, everyone, uh, and thank you for having me. I'm Derek Haney. I'm the CEO and Chief E-Commerce Technologist at ecommercetech.io, where we connect e-commerce merchants with the right e-commerce technology tools. Nice. E-commerce. That's where you make money online, right? (laughs) I I guess there's a whole world of making money online. I try to exist in the place where real merchants are trying to provide a lot of value, build deep connections and and that brand relationship and, you know, really relate to their customer. And then what they usually forget because they're focused on their product or their marketing too much is that there's a third component to their business, which is technology. And with the changing landscape moving so quickly, it's tough to stay on top of the latest tools, you know, the newest channels, uh, i.e. TikTok, right? And all of these other things. So, so I, I look at their tech stacks and, and their, their portfolio of tools, the resources in their company. I'm able to make really good uh, decisions on, on saying, oh, this is like an opportunity for you. Or it looks like you're underutilizing your loyalty program or email marketing tool. And uh, in, in that way, we, we serve um, hundreds of merchants, either through self-serve or the 90 plus merchants we do under management, which means we meet with them quarterly to consult. Nice. All right. Yeah. That sounds like you're going to bring the money in when people yeah. have valuable products and services you're selling. So I like that. So I'm hearing from a lot of leaders that uh, in tech, especially that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts overall? Is it difficult to find diverse talent? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I've worked very closely in tech and in e-commerce, and I would say in both ecosystems, it's very heavily like male oriented, um, certainly even a little bit um, white male oriented. And so there is a bit of a lack of diversity in both ecosystems. Um, I would also, from my standpoint, since I work, we, we, we have media and we also have events and having run so many events on the partner side with all of our technology partners, they tend to put forth a male speaker. Uh, most of the time, it's their head of partnerships, it's their head of sales. And so I would say, yes, there, there, there is, seems to be a struggle from these companies to acknowledge that they are, um, whether it's, you know, there's a little bit of systemic, you know, of an issue here in that they, you know, it's largely run by a lot of men, the companies, and they find men friends. And, and for some reason, there's a, a mindset of many people that, you know, a head of sales is predominantly a male role still. Uh, to this day, you would find it maybe 80 or 90% of head of sales are going to be men. And, you know, so, so yes, I, I would say that they're they're struggling. Uh, I wouldn't say that there's a lack of talent out there from a diversity standpoint. It's more that the leaders haven't acknowledged their natural biases, and they're not really trying that hard to to bring equality into in, and diversity into their their business into their programs. Right. So they just need to work harder is what you're saying. <laughs> um, well, you know, something that starts with um, with recognizing it, which is how it started with sure. me. I'm a white male. And it took me a little bit of time to realize that the problem wasn't just, um, you know, like with 
bad actors out there, right? The problem was sure. actually the, that we weren't doing enough to push it forward as people that weren't, uh, I just, you know, it was maybe I had the easy road a couple of times because somebody would listen to the white guy in the room as, as opposed to my wife specifically, who's five foot tall. And so she's a little bit shorter, she's female. And, um, and they would always like, when we're all talking together in a, in a networking circle, they would look at me. And I, you know, it was one of those things where I, over time I started to realize um, what that privilege meant and how I needed to correct other people to help them realize like, she's really smart. You should probably pay attention to what she's about to say. Like, you know, and so and that's, that's where I started on, on my path towards really caring about diversity. Um, and, and I think that, you know, if we can get more people just to, to jumpstart that moment, um, they'll start to recognize that they have these inherent biases that they can overcome. Um, and, and then we can, we can make some real progress. Great. And so that leads to another question. And I think this does kind of address some of that implicit bias or, or bias or preference in screening. And that is, what do you think about the, the push to remove the requirement for CS degrees for like software engineering roles? Yeah. And, and I think about this more as, um, you know, the, the idea, I mean, of a college degree being a requirement in the future, will colleges even exist? And, and the, the prestige of a college degree in the past was largely, you know, meant that you were wealthy more than anything else. Right. So we're, we're just automatically um, or you're, you're, you're either, you know, if, if you're in a low income family, um, which obviously is skewing in the in, in a non-diverse direction. It's 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 uh, it's overly um, it's overly uh, skewing towards diversity that we want to be promoting. And so, in order to uh, and so, in order to think about the college degree itself and what it means to make that a job requirement, I don't think that um, it's really always about diversity so much here as it is about the um, the democratization of information and how people can learn things without having to get a college degree, which is great and powerful, and um, and and that means that businesses should be thinking more about um, this, the hard skills and the soft skills as opposed to random milestones that were basically invented hundreds of years ago uh, for qualifying people for things. And that qualification, it's just a shortcut. It's just like a really quick way of weeding out certain people. But we're finding obviously that there are really smart people that just don't want to finish college. And so we, we don't, we don't want to be excluding great talent, but maybe there is a small cost to an HR department in weeding through certain applications but I think, it, you know, if you're a smart applicant, you know that just because they've removed a degree requirement doesn't mean you don't have to have the skills. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. So in that same vein, do you think an apprenticeship pattern would work for tech roles? Interesting. Um, yes. Well, I'm a huge fan of apprenticeship in general. Uh, I started an agency six years ago and maybe seven at this point. And ran it for four years, and I would have benefited greatly from um, working underneath somebody else first. And so branching out on my own into, uh, well, I was already an entrepreneur, but into that new business venture. Um, it was like, I, I learned faster on my own, but most people, and um, even myself at that time, if I could have given myself the advice, uh, I think would have benefited from, from being an apprentice. Um, can it replace pure education? No, because apprenticeship is by nature more about practice. And so I played high stakes poker for 10 years. And in, in that time, um, 
the, what set me apart, what made me pretty good was that uh, all of the practice I did at the table, I spent almost as much time studying away from the table. And that was my schooling. And I not only was I taking essentially what, what would be the equivalent of classes, uh, I was also teaching classes and I was learning as I taught. And so you needed to just become you know, enveloped in that ecosystem. I know we're talking about tech, but I think it very much relates here in that um, people tend to practice like you, even your somebody that, that you're apprenticing from, they're not perfect, and th there might be th there might be bad practices that they're going to teach you, and so you have to really keep an eye out to learn best practices from multiple sources around you. So apprenticeship, I don't think can be everything, but um, certainly we the the degree itself may not be a thing of the future. I could see, uh, you know, a, a, not even a long distant future in the next fifty years or less how uh, college has become a little bit more a thing of the past and people really start to learn through the free information share of the internet and uh, and then they pick up apprenticeships and work with others uh, to grow in that way. So I, I think that's where the world is heading. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I see more and more of the, the pattern itself being applied, this mentor-mentee relationship that can really solidify some of that study with, you know, the hands-on experience. So I love hearing that. What advice would you share with companies that are looking to retain diverse staff? So let's assume they've done a good job of attracting the right talent. How do you keep them? I, I think um, it starts really with proving your, your purpose um, as a leader in an organization. And when we started our company, uh, and maybe perhaps part of the reason I'm here and I haven't told this part of the story yet, is because um, I, I felt really strongly from the beginning that, especially for us, gender diversity was a big issue in e-commerce. Um, it, it's it's not just from um, a rights standpoint, but I believe going all the way into an economic um, like mistake that that there are not enough female-founded e-commerce businesses, and whether. Um, you know, women haven't always been given the opportunity to stand up and start a business for so many different reasons. And, and so there's, there, and there's, there's pressure on a lot of male driven e-commerce organizations. And so the, you know, the question became, well, what, what thing can we do to, to push that forward? And, and so for us, that was part of our kind of core values from the very beginning. And then in the beginning, I wanted to launch alongside our company, a 5013C that would support women in e-commerce. I found out really quickly that it, it was like it would literally just cost too much and sink the business. So we put on hold till next year. The plan is we stabilize the business. My my belief in in, uh, in in when it comes to nonprofit is that it needs to be sustainable. And and I think we can make nonprofit sustainable. Of course, there's ways to donate to causes and stuff. But if I'm going to start it, I want it to be something that can last and, and drive real impact, not just be like a one off. So I know that I can do that next year. And unfortunately, I couldn't start it this year. But what we did start this year because of that thing I hinted at with the, with all of our speakers, um, bringing forward predominantly male, um, you know, if, if, if you're paying me to sponsor my event, I, my first thought was, well, I kind of have to take whoever they give me. And a few weeks ago, I, I was talking with somebody about this issue and I said, you know what, I don't have to take whoever you give me. I'm going to make you have diversity in who you send to speak at my events. And I, so we 
We created our diversity and equality initiative where we require all partners and sponsors to send 50% equal representation between their typically male dominated audiences and uh, either a female or somebody in the LGBTQ community or somebody that is in an otherwise underrepresented group. And, um, and by doing this, like, and we're gonna work with them to make sure that it's, it's doable on their part, but just by asking uh, four of our key sponsors, they were able to immediately flip from a male presenter to a female presenter. All I to, apparently all we had to do was, was ask. And, and that kind of goes back to the systemic problem being that we just, as individuals thought, well, you know, Phil's the best at, at, at talking on this topic. So we'll just put Phil up every time. Right. And, and Phil is of course, a, you know, the, a, the white male persona, let's say. And, and it turns out Nicole is a great, uh, would be a great presenter as well. Um, and, and just, just as equally good, but maybe, um, just because Phil was, was in the company earlier or, or whatever it was, you know, um, we weren't thinking about, you know, how we wanted to represent ourselves publicly because these are public speaking engagements. And, and so if you, um, and so I think that that goes to the leaders out there that are listening to this to think like, um, you know, who in your sales team has spoken at 10 events and maybe they could just easily pass the reins to, to somebody else in the company that can represent what your company stands for. And so when I think about, you know, how to retain diverse staff, I would say include them in, in the, all the activities that they're completely capable of doing and make it an initiative at the core of your business to make sure that it really is, you know, um, just stop, wait, didn't you, you did that last one? Why don't we make sure that we, you know, have diversity in who's representing our company. Um, that is, it's, it's a sound simple. It takes a long time to, uh, to push that impact through though. It does. And then once you're present and you're kind of every time looking at it through that lens, I think you do, you know, spread the love around a lot more. And so people will feel more welcome. They'll feel more included. And it totally makes sense to me. So yeah. who's somebody and like yourself? Nobody's doing it on purpose. Sorry. To oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I think it definitely is an implicit bias and it's like sort of like the status quo and it just becomes like, Hey, we just send Phil every time. And like, Phil's the guy go do it, Phil. Right. Um, And so I don't think it's a, it's a bias that people um, are doing to be spiteful or mean. I really do think it takes just a presence of mind and having that conversation. So I think it's powerful when you decide to like, let's educate the vendors and make sure that they know that this is just something that we should all be doing and give them an opportunity to participate. So I love it. So who is someone like yourself, like you, that's sort of moving the needle that you'd like to acknowledge as a leader and would be a great guest on a podcast like this? So um, there are a few um, women in e-commerce nonprofits and groups that are certainly out there. But the person that got me started into my journey and in pushing forward diversity is um, a kind of a popular speaker. His name is Rand Fishkin. He's like a big SEO guru guy. Um, he actually stopped doing all the speaking stuff, um, retired to his home to launch a new company, which is just probably about to um, to start like skyrocketing in growth right now. But um, I got the chance to interview him and ask him a few questions, um, you know, around like, he, he's he's an outspoken feminist. And, and I was like, you know, how do you how do you be a man and a feminist? I, I didn't know at the time. Like, what, what do I have to do? I didn't, I didn't mean like, 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 how could you do this? I mean, like, literally, like, what am I supposed to do as a man in, in, in the feminist sure. movement? I, I don't know. I don't even know where to begin. Like, I can definitely support it, but I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, it's tough. As and, an ally, it's tough. You want to make sure you're not, you know, 
overshadow it. You want to make sure you're not taking some, like, so I get it as a, as a guy, you want advice, you want to know, hey, am I doing yeah. this right? So, and, and so, and it. he said, just be there and be present and, and speak up when you see something wrong and, and stand for what's right. And I said, you know what, I'm going to make sure I'm doing that. So, <laughs> so I think he's a, he'd be a great, great. Right. Uh, he's now on the radar. We're, <laughs> we're going to keep an eye out for him. So where can we find out more information about your company? This is a great time again for any shameless plugs that you have. Yeah. If, I mean, if you're in e-commerce or in e-commerce technology, I'd love to chat with you. Or if you're a great speaker that could speak towards e-commerce uh, and e-commerce teams, I'd love to have you um, on our podcast or at our events. And you can find more about us at ecommercetech.io. Awesome. So now the most difficult question of them all, what is your favorite snack? What are you snacking on these days? So, oh man, um, you know, kind bars are always something that I take uh, in the nice. morning right after um it's before lunch because i like to extend my lunch until like 1 or 2 p.m in all honesty after i eat lunch i go completely uh i just can't focus on this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. so the kind bar gives me an extra hour and a half of work lunch is and then because i run the company after lunch i don't have to work even though i usually put in some time <laughs> and uh awesome. so that's the one that comes to mind i also um started uh, drinking these mochas from pop and bottle plug to an e-commerce friend of ours. They're like really good uh, almond and oat milk like lattes. And so um, a little on the pricey end, not going to lie, but um, but they're they're good. (laughs) Okay. So we got kind bars and we got a liquid snack. So love that. Well, thanks again, uh, Derek, for coming on the program. I really appreciate your thoughts and you bringing all this great content to the table. So thank you. Thank you for having me. And for everybody else that's watching and listening on the interwebs, make sure you like, subscribe, and check out more episodes of Snackwall. I'm Mike Roberts, and next, until next time, peace. <laughs> the San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snackwalls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io. 